Welcome to the PCOS podcast. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, degree qualified nutritionist. This podcast is a place to help show you how to reduce your PCOS symptoms. Getting diagnosed with PCOS can be super confusing. It typically comes with very little information about what the condition actually is and how to manage it long-term. In this podcast, we cover the keys to understanding what PCOS is, the best approaches to improving your PCOS, and of course, how to reduce your PCOS symptoms through non-medication-based approaches. If you've been recently diagnosed with PCOS or you've had PCOS for a long time and you're wondering what the heck do I do now and what do I need to do to reduce my symptoms, this podcast exists to show you exactly that. Exciting news. Next week, I am hosting a free masterclass, how to reduce and resolve your PCOS symptoms without medication. This masterclass is jam packed, including the three big mistakes I see clients making when trying to reduce their PCOS symptoms. I'm going to be there live doing a big Q&A session. So bring all your juicy questions. I want to answer them for you. This masterclass is going to kick off the next group intake for the PCOS pathway, and it is going to be the very last intake offered at its current price point. So if joining the PCOS pathway has been on your mind, you won't want to miss this. You can register via the link in the show notes. It is Thursday, the 24th of June, 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Head to the show notes and register right now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for having me in your ears right now. We are talking all about testing, how to use testing to get to the root cause of your PCOS quicker and easier, and ultimately get improvements in your symptoms quicker and easier too, because that is what we are all about. And that is exactly why my business exists in the first place. So what type of testing am I even talking about? There's a range of different functional testing, um, even blood testing that can be used to really help you understand your PCOS better. In my clinic and programs, what I'm primarily focused on is using blood testing, pathology testing, so good old plain bloods, which you can have done usually through your doctor or primary care provider or GP. Uh, And there are other options for you to have these bloods done through private labs in Australia and New Zealand. We have access to companies like iScreen where we are able to either have a practitioner like myself refer for testing or we can order them ourselves, which is really helpful because sometimes it can be tricky to get everything we want from our doctor due to limitations with what testing they may be able to uh, approve. There are, of course, many other forms of testing. We have different stool tests. We have different saliva tests. And I am a big fan of using different forms of testing where needed. But in most cases, I do really like to start with some good old-fashioned blood testing because I think this gives a really good understanding of someone's hormonal picture. And when you can see that perhaps there is uh, some other really pressing symptoms at play, 
for example, someone has really chronic IBS symptoms and, you know, they haven't been able to fix that through some really simple tweaks off those foundational changes. That's where looking at stool testing can be really beneficial, but I don't think, and I have not seen that it has been necessary for all my clients to go down that route. A lot of my clients are able to get really phenomenal results just through doing blood testing and often just through doing the blood testing that they can get done with their doctor. So this means that it's really accessible for most people to do um, and really easy to access. So um, a lot of that other functional testing definitely comes with a price tag, which of course is totally worth it when you need it. Um, but it's more challenging, of course, to get repeat testing when you're looking at um, tests that cost between three and four hundred dollars um, a go. So, testing is all talking about blood testing in this episode, and the first place I think I want to start is why it's important. Like, why do we even bother looking at testing? And this really just comes down to the fact that symptoms are very, very subjective. For starters, as human beings, unique uh, little snowflakes that we are, we experience our symptoms different to the next person. For example, if I have a headache and I'm the kind of person who's not really that in tune with my body and I just don't really pay attention to it, I just kind of brush it off and get on with things, then my experience of that might, I might not even mention that. Like I might not even bother to tell someone that because I'm kind of just like, yep, I had a headache, whatever. I drink some water. I got on with things and went about my day. Whereas if I'm really in tune with my body, that's not something that maybe happens to me as often, or perhaps I'm just, you know, a little bit more um, sensitive for lack of a better term, that might be a really big deal for me. And I might really highlight that as part of my kind of symptom picture. So same symptom, but experience of it is very different. And therefore the way that someone conveys that to their practitioner or conveys that as being an issue is different. Also symptoms that we've had for a really long time, I tend to hear clients say things like, well, that's just normal for me, or I've always just had that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's normal. I hear that a lot um, when clients describe digestive symptoms. They might say, oh, yeah, well, you know, going to the bathroom every second or third day is normal for me. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's not actually normal. We really need to do something about that. So again, symptoms are really subjective to you as a person and your experience of them. The other thing and problem with looking at symptoms alone is that symptoms are usually not specific to certain things. So say, for example, um, this is a very basic example, but it works quite nicely here. Fatigue or low energy. I mean, that could be anything. Yeah, you could have an iron deficiency, but you could also have a thyroid issue or you could also have really low levels of cortisol and stress hormones um, or you could have all three. Uh, so understanding that these symptoms that we experience are super helpful. And what we do as practitioners is we gain an understanding of, okay, these are all the factors at play. 
This is, I guess, a bit of an understanding of kind of what's led us here. So the context around those symptoms and that person's life. And now where do I want to look further? And that's where testing comes in because often we'll have hunches or suspicions or a good idea of what we're going to expect to see in testing, but we really want to look at that testing to confirm suspicions and also rule anything out. So um, we should always be, as practitioners, completing a bit of a differential diagnosis. So this is basically the process of going, I think the issue is X, but it could also be Y and Z. So let's make sure we test all three things and make sure that our suspicion is correct. And it's not always correct. And that's the beauty of testing, that it really helps to uncover those various or possible issues or presentations that we could see that would marry up to someone's symptoms. And it's really the kind of art of overlaying the symptom picture with the tests to give us the answers that we need and that we are looking for. So that's why we use testing. And of course, it's not always you know, necessarily as straightforward as I'm explaining it to be, but it does really help to paint a bit of a map um, of where we're going next and highlight those key issues. So I always love my clients to start with blood testing and the types of blood testing that I'm looking at with our clients inside the PCOS pathway is looking at some baseline hormones um, as well as often I'm really wanting to look at a thyroid panel as well, especially if they have any symptoms of an underactive thyroid, which is definitely more common than overactive. But of course, if I thought that as well, Uh, and also if there's any kind of family history as well. So if I can see those things, um, or even if our clients have fertility goals or have had issues with ongoing miscarriage or anything like that, I'm always wanting to look at a thyroid panel. I'm also always looking at all our micronutrients, so iron levels, zinc levels, iodine levels, and then just also some, you know, foundational things like full blood count, um, which is helpful for interpreting things like our nutrient status, and then also looking at some of our inflammatory markers, um, liver function, and, you know, our electrolytes and all of that kind of thing is important as well. So this gives me a really beautiful, holistic view of someone's health, especially when they can get as many or hopefully all of the tests that I'm asking for. Um, And of course, I always get what I call our PCOS root causes too. So I'm getting things like insulin levels and our blood sugar markers. And I'm also looking at things like stress hormones where necessary and um, and any of our kind of outlying hormones as well that I want to look at. So that gives me a great holistic um, view of someone's health. I have an understanding of their nutrient status, their thyroid health, their PCOS root causes, and of course, their hormonal status as well. So they're the types of testing that I'm looking at. And what I'm looking at when I go through these tests is, yes, the results, but also that person's symptom picture. And it's really like 
your brain then overlays these two things together and it starts to tell a story. It's really unhelpful when we have just a few bits and pieces of results and we want to know more, but when we can get that nice suite of results, it's like a story and we can link different things together and it makes the process so much easier in terms of knowing what to do next. So, This is what we work on first inside the PCOS pathway. And I want to highlight the kind of next critical step when thinking about getting tests is accuracy. I nearly never see this being done properly. And it's the most frustrating thing because uh, getting testing done isn't always the easiest thing, especially if you're having any kind of resistance or restriction from your doctor. So you want to get it done properly the first time so that you're not going back again to do it. Um, So when we're looking at our different hormones, if you have a menstrual cycle and there is some kind of regularity there, you don't necessarily have to have a regular cycle, but you know that it's probably going to come somewhere between, say, 30 to 50 days because, of course, with PCOS, having an irregular cycle is really uh, common. So if it was somewhere around that, I would still be trying to get that what we call follicular phase testing, so that first half of the cycle. And depending on your cycle length, I'm really wanting that somewhere between days two and four of your cycle just noting that cycle day one is the first day that you bleed. So it's going to be the second, third, or fourth day of your bleed. If you don't have a cycle at all, we're just getting some tests done. We're obviously not concerned about when we're when we're testing because there's just no way for us to know. Equally, if you have a very long cycle, like you're saying, you know, it, I get it only every three months, we're just going to go ahead and get some testing done as well. And based off when you had your last cycle, we'll try and get an idea of where we might be sitting um, in terms of, uh, you know, are we still follicular phase or pre-ovulatory, which in most cases we will be because, of course, an ovulatory cycle, cycles in which you do not ovulate are very common with PCOS, and you'll be able to tell this very, very easily through looking at um, where your hormones are sitting and also your progesterone. If you want to know more about ideal reference ranges and get some uh, a bit more of an understanding of few of those really key tests that I want to look at, then you can find a testing guide inside the show notes. I really recommend getting your hands on that. So we've covered time of testing for our hormones. Um, Sometimes I do another test if I can identify ovulation with the client and I do that through looking at basal body temperature tracking. Um, I teach our clients to do that inside the PCOS pathway. And then I get them to do a test seven days after ovulation once we've been able to identify that. I don't always start with that because if you're not ovulating at all, there's no point in trying to aim for that test straight off the bat. We might not do that till a couple of months in. Um, And what we're looking at there is progesterone and estrogen, and we're checking the ratio between these hormones as well. Um, This is really important for reducing PMS symptoms. And also if you're getting any, you know, heavy bleeding or anything like that in the cycle, we want to check the ratio of those hormones post ovulation. The reason we do it post ovulation, progesterone is made through or after ovulation by your corpus luteum. So there's no point testing it 
earlier in the cycle on days two, three, or four. Again, I do see this being commonly done and it completely baffles me. I do not know why. There is no point testing it then. It needs to be done after ovulation as that's when it's made. Um, You want to get your tests done first thing in the morning. So do not get your tests done in the afternoon. Do not get them done at midday. Your hormones are on what's called a diurnal rhythm, which means that they fluctuate throughout the day. You need to get them done in the morning equally. Your nutrients change um, throughout the day based on whether you've eaten or not. For example, after eating, your zinc levels will drop. So That leads us to our next point. You want to make sure that you fasted before your test. Somewhere between 10 to 12 hours is really ideal, Um, especially, of course, if we're looking at blood sugar markers. So, for example, if you had dinner at, let's just say, 7.30 the night before, you want to be at that pathology lab ideally first thing in the morning. Um, If you are doing any adrenal testing, things like cortisol, we really want that done within the hour of waking Um, So that's really important. Make sure you're hydrated, uh, but not doing anything strenuous the morning of testing. You want a nice relaxed morning after the pathology lab. um, And yeah, you just want a nice calm morning, no exercise the morning of, no strenuous exercise the evening or night before or afternoon before either. um, And also no intercourse the morning of testing either because that can drive up hormones like prolactin. So that covers most of our testing accuracy. So that's really, really important. And I hear a lot that um, clients aren't necessarily receiving that information before they go and do testing. The reason that it's so important to test your hormones on certain days of your cycle is your hormone levels change across the cycle. That is literally how we get a period. What That is how we do everything that we do in our body, how, um, you know, your estrogen is going to rise to really thicken that endometrial lining. Um, Certain hormones are going to spike at different times to facilitate ovulation. Your progesterone is going to rise after ovulation. Um, So if we're not testing on a certain day, we don't really have accurate benchmarks to then compare the results that we find to. And that then means we don't actually really know if that result is high, low, or normal, right? So just as an example, uh, you'll find this in the testing resource, but say on day two or three of the menstrual cycle, having an estrogen level of say 140 would be great. That would be really healthy, fantastic. We would be really happy with that. But if we found that your estrogen level was that same 140 seven days after ovulation, we would be really concerned about that. That would be far too low. It should be between three to 500 by that point in the cycle. So do you see that because those hormones fluctuate, we need to have them tested on certain days so that we then have really clear benchmarks to be saying, is that actually normal at that point? for what that hormone needs to be doing and preparing the body for in that stage of the menstrual cycle. Equally, let's just say we tested your progesterone on day two or three. We know there's not a lot of progesterone being made. There's a very small amount being made by the adrenals at that point, but nothing by the corpus luteum. 
So if you had a progesterone of two, we would be like, yeah, that's totally normal. You should have a progesterone of two at that stage. But again, if we were day uh, seven days after suspected ovulation or seven days before your period arrived or day 21, as is often recommended, then having a progesterone of two would not be normal because it would confirm that you had in fact not ovulated. Equally, if we saw that you had ovulated and you had a progesterone of just 20, we would know that that is actually not high enough for a viable pregnancy and would have a very high risk of early miscarriage. And so again, having that clear understanding of when a hormone was tested and what is actually accurate and normal and ideal for that stage and what that hormone is meant to facilitate is really key in actually understanding the result. So firstly, we need to get the right tests. They need to be tested accurately and we need to also then be interpreting them accurately as well. So There's a lot, right? But once we do those steps, it's really, really exciting because your tests really start to tell a story. And say, for example, um, if I have a client with PCOS who's really struggling to lose weight, then there are some key things that I'm going to be looking for in their tests. Like what is their thyroid function? What is their insulin, right? Because They're two very different things that we might see existing together, but we might also see them existing separately. So say, for example, um, if someone had low thyroid function but healthy blood sugar control, we would then be going, well, why? Okay, let's look at the nutrients. And if, for example, we found that they had iodine and zinc deficiency, well, we would be like, great, that's why they've got the low thyroid function. Let's start really working on that. Um, because that will be why they're not losing weight because that thyroid is really the engine room for the body and it sets the metabolic rate. So it doesn't matter what this person eats, they're not going to be able to lose weight because that metabolic rate would be sitting quite low and their thyroid is really under-functioning. Conversely, if we were to see a relatively good thyroid function, quite good nutrient status of those cofactors, um, but we were to see that that person had really high insulin, we would really know that that would be a big reason as to why they can't shift that weight because insulin is one of our major anabolic fat storage hormones and we really need to be doing whatever it is we need to do to get that hormone down in order for them to lose weight. So do you see how getting those tests done accurately, the right tests and also enough tests to get that picture going um, starts to then tell us what we need to be doing from a nutritional supplement lifestyle process to really get results. Um, It's really, really such a crucial step. And I think what is missing for a lot of people when they are trying to work on their PCOS, because um, we can see that there are a lot of really, you know, generic strategies out there. And they can be really helpful. Obviously, people do get results with this, whether that's luck of the draw um, or not. There are people who, you know, are able to help their PCOS through what they find on Google. 
but there are a lot that just don't seem to get results. And I think that testing is a really big missing piece because we're missing that individuality and understanding that a symptom like weight loss um, issues can come from many different factors. And unless we're grabbing the symptom and then underpinning it with those test results where you don't have a clear understanding of what someone needs to do to move forward. Therefore, we have blind spots and we are just simply trying to guess, um, which is going to be really ineffective, costly, and slow. So just to explain inside the PCOS pathway, what we do are testing reviews. So one of the key things that we're focused on in month one is getting that accurate testing. So I help you with um, how to talk to your doctor, if that's how you're organizing that testing, what tests to get, when to get them, um, especially if you have any questions or concerns around my cycle is not regular, when should I get it tested, et cetera, et cetera, really guide you through that process. The other thing that we're really focused on is implementing what I call nutrition foundations, right? Because we really need to have those beautiful foundations in place, making sure that our macros are really balanced. We're eating enough of the right foods um, because there's just no point jumping to more advanced strategies like supplements and more finicky nutrition changes if you're, you don't have those foundations in place first, right? So we focus on that, getting the testing back, and then once you get that testing back, that's where the magic happens. Um, I go through your tests and personally review those and get some really um, amazing in-depth feedback over to you. It may be very different to what you might have experienced in the past. That's the feedback I get um, a lot is that clients may have gotten bloods from uh, with all due respect, their doctor and the results might be a little bit vague or they didn't have enough time to go through the results with them. Whereas we go through them, the feedback can be anywhere up to sort of half an hour in length. And it's really like, okay, here's your result. This is what it means in terms of your symptoms. And this is where your result is currently. This is where we need it to be. And here are the core strategies we're going to be using in order to achieve that. And this is the appropriate time frame. Of course, we want to see your symptoms improve um, across that time frame, but we also want to make sure those tests improve too. So we always look at doing a testing review around about the three-month mark, sometimes slightly sooner if there were any more sort of um, serious or timely issues uncovered, like say a thyroid issue or any autoimmunity. So that's kind of the the process. Um it's just, yeah, such a, I mean, I love tests. I'm obviously a bit of a geek, but I just think it's such a key pivotal part in order to get results efficiently. Um, optimal reference ranges are really, really key as well, because again, I hear this all the time. Um, I was told, for example, my thyroid was fine. Um, and the reality is that most standard reference ranges are in place to prevent serious disease, but not necessarily to support overall and optimal health. And that is what we want. Um, the other thing to keep in mind as well with PCOS is that there are some areas in which there's a heightened sense of or heightened sensitivity with certain things. Say, for example, your insulin even small changes in insulin can really be enough to be initiating those PCOS symptoms. Um, so we need to be keeping that in mind when we're looking at what optimal reference ranges are. Again, optimal reference ranges, that's something you can find in that testing 
download. So I hope this helped to paint a picture as to why I'm so obsessed with testing. Again, testing, um, there's a, you know, a broad range of different tests that we can have access to, but I really do love to start with blood testing because um, it is accessible, it's affordable, which means that it's easier to repeat as well if we need to, to get, you know, repeat testing on certain items um, three months down the track, for example. It's really, really insightful when done accurately and it really helps to paint a picture as to what strategies are going to be the best suited to you. I can hand on heart say that of all the clients inside the Peace First Pathway, not a single one has been prescribed the exact same supplements. Um, and that is just because there is nuance. People have different nutrient deficiencies. People have different issues with their hormones. They might all have PCOS but that doesn't mean that they all need the same things. The only way that I've been able to uncover those things for them is through doing testing and reviewing their testing in line with their intake information. So I really do think it's an absolute essential. On the 24th of August, I am going to be running a free masterclass uh, called How to Reduce and Resolve Your PCOS Symptoms Without Medication. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be together for about one hour, maybe a bit over. I am going to be there live, so I'll be going through any questions that you have at the end. And if you have PCOS and you are kind of either fed up with the options that you've been offered so far, or you're just looking for a new way and you really want to look to reduce and resolve your PCOS symptoms through non-medication-based approaches, then I would really love for you to join this masterclass. It is free. For you to join and it is then going to be kicking off the next group intake for the PCOS pathway which will be the 24th of August through till the 28th of August and it is going to be the last group intake that we are going to be running at the current price point so if you do want to get in um, this month, then I highly recommend coming along to the masterclass, which is free. And of course, then if the Peace First Pathway is calling your name, get in on this intake because it is the last time that it's going to be offered at this price point ever. So I hope to see you there. And if not, um, I hope this episode was helpful for you. Before you go, a quick reminder that any information discussed on the PCOS podcast is general in nature does not take into account your personal health circumstances and, of course, does not replace medical advice.